This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and you're listening to a track called You Make Me Feel by Sylvester, an American musician who made disco tunes during the 70s and 80s. And it was music like this that helped shape the growth of the drag scene in Chicago, a scene that got its start in the late 1800s. Since then, the city has been home to a community of drag performers and party goers that has struggled to overcome the discrimination that aimed to tear it down. And that community continues to struggle and thrive today. In response to Tennessee lawmakers pushing for legislation that would ban drag performances in the state, Chicagoans are coming together in solidarity this Friday to celebrate drag at the Metro. So we are joined now by James Conley, who's the board co-chair of Gerber Hart Library and Archives. It focuses on sharing the culture and history of the LGBTQ plus community in Chicago and the Midwest. Welcome, James. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Also here, Coco Chonel, a drag performer based right here in Chicago. Welcome, Coco. Oh, thank you for having me. Fabulous name. Thank you. Spell <laughs> phonetically so we don't get sued. Ah, very smart. <laughs> so, James, as I mentioned, drag, it's got this history that spans all the way back to the 1890s. I was today years old when I learned that. So tell us about the birth of drag in this city. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think a lot of people know that, um, you know, over Chicago's history, the neighborhoods have sort of swapped and changed. The Gold Coast has been in different areas of the city. <clears throat> but a lot of people don't know that in areas of the north side that we currently think of as like downtown and and whatnot, we had these enclaves that uh, where a lot of political activism was going on, where a lot of you know the outcasts of society, if you will, um, got together and made something beautiful. So you were looking at this area of the city called Tower Town, which is down by the water tower, okay. is uh, now, and there was this uh, famous little spot called the Dill Pickle Club. Um, we have about one photo that I can find <laughs> of it. It's just the door in a, in, the, in a giant brick facade, and it says to leave your dignity behind when you walk in. But it was this like famous melting pot of everyone from immigrants to folks of color to drag and gay performers mm. to uh, communists and other people who would have been sort of social outcasts. And how would you describe that uh, kind of drag that was popular back then? And how does it compare to the drag that we know today? I think it shares some uh, overlap with kind of vaudeville and sort of those early styles of performance. Um, I think it was more along the akin to things that some people might describe as female impersonation, things like that. Okay. It's more sort of like a, a femming of the look, more trying to sort of fit in with, with other sort of feminine looks at the time. Mm -hmm. um, whereas now, and, I, you know, certainly Coco could speak to this, like we have mm -hmm. this incredible diversity and variety of styles. Like you don't have to, the, the goal of drag doesn't have to be to look like another gender. It yeah. can be just a, a gender performance so you can have a giant beard and you know hairy legs mm -hmm. and also be wearing a ball gown at the same time you know ah, so there, okay. there's so much diversity now interesting that, yes. and, and before i get you to dig deeper into context there coco i'm, I'm mm -hmm. curious if, if drag at the time was it happening in other cities like what was it about chicago that made it possible for drag to grow during that time so I think it was happening in other cities. I don't have quite as much sort of, as research background, obviously, because right. I'm focused on the Midwest. But um, I think the thing about Chicago is, and I, and I think that this <laughs> this is one of the legacies of Chicago, is that Chicagoans, they live a rough life. We have real hard winters. We have real hard summers. True. Um, our politics, boy, don't we know it is difficult. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that has been from the beginning. Um, you know, and I think 
in that struggle, there is a sense of community that's born out of that. I think you see that in Chicago today. People are very proud of the city. Yeah. They're very proud of our communities here in the city. Um, and I think that that brings other folks who are outcasts together and, and to feel like, hey, we've lived through it together. So let's yeah. just come together. Let's have a drink. Let's have a party. Uh, let's have a good time. Coco Chanel. So, so James just gave a, a great sort of breakdown of what drag looked like back in the 1800s versus today. So talk yes. a bit more about that. I know that in the past there were these so-called drag balls correct, that were correct. really popular. What stories can you share about those balls? Uh, so actually a lot of the balls actually came from the South. Uh, so a lot of it came from, ironically, Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. um, and Atlanta, which is a, still a huge uh, ball scene down there. Uh, and it was. It was more female illusionist. They were men that wanted to be like women, but there was also like things that they had to do. Like for instance, that they were performing in a club, they had to wear at least two articles of men's clothing um, with what they're wearing. So that way, if the the place got raided by the police, they had to like show like, Hey, I'm still a boy and things like that. Interesting. Uh, So that's, that's kind of like going to our history of like how we protected ourselves in a way. And a lot of drag and trans performers of like that that time, especially going back into like the fifties and sixties, uh, they literally looked out for a lot of the community. They were the the leaders, the ones that were um, making safe homes for people and being there to open, willing to bring people in. And there was this movement that I saw that happened really, I would say really honestly in the 70s uh, of a change of like people didn't have to just be the other gender. There was this like, okay, I can do um, gender F. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to be careful. I don't want to say it's a few words. Yes. But, Thank you very uh, much. We appreciate it, that. Yes. Uh, so it was like this, this this gender F of like, oh, I can be like this wild, crazy hair. It's this big, extravagant, extravagant like makeup and right. like these big shoulder pads and these big shoes. And like I'm look like I'm from outer space. And uh, and a lot of uh, pop artists saw that and they, they took from that. And they were like, I'm going to put it into my aesthetic. You know, a perfect example is David Bowie. David Bowie would go right. to a lot of these uh, these places in, in you know, the London uh, pubs and things and seeing things because it wasn't just in America. It was all over the country. Are you glad that you perform drag now and not back then when it was more restricted? Yes and no. Um, there was, I will say, a, a, a bigger sense of community, even though it was still like we were under the like... Oh, everything's secret. It's just a secret. There was still, if you're part of that community, you were part of a community and you really looked out for each other. I see. And I think things have changed now because since now drag has become more mainstream and it is, uh, we're doing brunches in like places I've never thought I'd be able to do a brunch drag right. show at. Um, and it's, it's good to have that exposure, but also it's the fact that people now, since they, they have that exposure, they're like, oh, I know drag. I, I've seen drag race. I've seen every season. So I know drag. And I was like, but do you? <laughs> there are levels to this. There yeah. are levels, exactly. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought us to the 70s because, James, I, I want you to talk about that disco era, right, of the 60s and 70s because there's a connection between Chicago drag and disco. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think a lot of – I think what's interesting, especially here in Chicago, we had our infamous, you know, disco demolition night, uh, mm-hmm. which was a response. It was a backlash to the disco movement and it had a lot of foundations in racism and homophobia and transphobia, things like that. Um, but disco was this reaction in and of itself to everything that was going on in the sixties, right? All these really intense, uh, political movements that were happening. And it's not that those, that politics ceased to be important in the seventies. Of course it was, but I think people like you, you see a movement where the music is about 
being together on the dance floor, it's not trying to tell you a deep story about, you know, the war or something like, right. you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. folk music was. Um, it's about letting your inhibitions behind, getting on the dance floor. You don't care who you're dancing with. You are there to just experience bliss and be in community and feel mm-hmm. beautiful as you are. And mm-hmm. I mean, people would come up turning looks, gender and sexuality kind of bent and blended mm-hmm. on these dance floors. A lot of people, you know, they would they would say that they were straight um, 99% of the time. They'd get on that dance floor and all the rules were out the door. Ah, okay. Um, and the mm-hmm. drag community was definitely a big part of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, Coco, yeah, yeah, I mean, drag had a very strong tie to disco, but I understand it wasn't something that everyone in Chicago embraced. That is correct. There's a historic event back in 1979. It was Disco Demolition mm-hmm. at Comiskey Park. Yes. Uh, why did people hate disco so much? I think it was because uh, it was a celebration not only of people of the LGBTQ community, but also people that were of color. And it was showing them having bliss. And I always said this about the 70s. That was our last great party. <laughs> it was. Because yeah. everyone was like, Everyone just have a good time. They want to go to the parties. They want to dress nice. They were they would go there to actually dance on the dance floor, and it was just a joyful, amazing time. The people just came together and be able to dance on the dance floor with someone of the same gender. Yes, because that was an issue too. That was a major issue, and it was just it was free. There was no there was no feeling of shame or embarrassment. It was just I can be free to be myself and just like uh, just be myself on this on this on, on this public platform in an area. Uh, and that's what I, I loved about the disco era in the 70s. And that was scary to people, people that um, personally probably were not as open or could be open to their family or to their friends at work. Uh, they had a certain life and a certain lifestyle that they had, you know, planned mm-hmm. and worked out. And seeing someone be so free scares people sometimes. Raids were happening too, James, of, of yes. gay bars. Yeah, I mean, historically... The police, especially here in Chicago, um, they would find any reason for a raid. You know, so I think Chuck Renslow, the the founder of International Mr. Leather and Man's Country and Gold Coast, um, famously once said, uh, you know, when he was standing in a gay bar, like, you want to stand by the door so you can get a good spot in the paddy wagon. Because it was that expected. Mm. Um, mm. You know, as Coco was mentioning Earlier, there there were laws on the books for many years that same-sex people couldn't be seen interacting with one another. So anything that was like hugging each other, even at one point serving each other a drink or sharing a drink with one another, really? was considered offensive and inappropriate, um, like a lot of the language that's coming out of these drag uh, bills mm-hmm. around the country right now. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, then the, for many years, there were laws on the books. They were sort of loosely called like cross-dressing bans. And to what Coco was mentioning earlier, it, it looked at police would find any excuse to say, well, you're, a, you know, if you're a man, your appearance is too feminine. If you're a woman and you're wearing pants, we can take you in for that. Oh. We yep. can arrest you for that. Yep. And that often meant that your name would show up in the newspaper. You'd lose your job. You'd lose your housing. Mm-hmm. If you had a landlord, you'd lose your friends, your family. I mean, it was it was really dire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to quickly fast forward to the 80s, Coco, before we, we touch on the present day. Mm-hmm. The AIDS epidemic, right? Yes. It devastated the LGBT community, as Absolutely. we know back then. It impacted drag, too, in a lot of ways. 
what role did drag play in the fights for just basic rights for LGBTQ folks? Well, they were there just, just marching and, and being a presence saying that we would not be ignored or erased. Mm. Also, a lot of drag performers would raise money so that people can actually have basic living rights like food, water, be able to pay their electric bills. Like, because if, if the person that is suffering for, you know, AIDS, like uh, things that are effects of AIDS, they couldn't go to work. They couldn't, you know, support themselves. They could barely get out of bed for, you know, especially during that time. So there was a lot of drag performers that were just like looking out for the community itself because they were not getting it from the government. Hmm. And we we know from history of showing like Ronald Reagan was the president during that time. And he completely turned a blind eye to it. A lot of those fights paved the way for, for you and in, in your performance. Absolutely. Uh, we talked about your name, Coco Chanel, spelled phonetically. Yes, so we don't get sued. <laughs> how, would you, how would you describe your drag, though? Um, it, it is uh, it's like a touch of class with a little bit of crass. Uh, because uh, okay. cause my thing is about uh, I, I pay homage to a lot of the women that I grew up with, like my grandmothers, my mother, uh, and also like... Um, the 90s R&B groups like SWV and Escape. And uh, these are the women that I like idolized as a kid because I was like, these, yeah. these are beautiful black women mm-hmm. using their gifts. And they they made the blueprint, especially Janet Jackson, blueprint for a lot of these pop singers that are out here today sure. doing the same thing. But they didn't get, they didn't get as much credit as um, some of these other um, performers back then. Absolutely. So. Mm-hmm. You, you know, drag, James, it's definitely become more mainstream in mm-hmm. recent years. As I hear Coco talk about uh, his inspirations. How do you think that's changed drag, th- this main, this move to the mainstream? Well, I do. You know, I think to Coco's point earlier, I do think that a lot of people just assume that they understand what drag is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that they see TV shows. <clears throat> yeah. They see right. a TV show and they're like, oh, that's drag. And drag is such a multitude. You know, when we, in 2018, we did uh, an exhibit called The City That Works that was on drag history. Um, And we interviewed Coco along with a number Mm -hmm. of other Chicago performers, uh, past and present. Mm -hmm. And one of the the themes that came up repeatedly, we'd asked this question, um, you know, how does Chicago's drag? compared to other cities across the country. And almost every single person without hesitation said the diversity, the depth and the breadth of drag that you can see in Chicago on any given night of the week. Like we are not just one style. Mm -hmm. We are not just one look. Uh, we are not just one venue or Correct. one part of the city. There is drag happening so important. south side, everywhere. the west side, the north side, downtown, everywhere you go. Suburbs. The suburbs. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's so much happening here. We're seeing those legislative efforts, though, that we mm-hmm. hinted at earlier, efforts to ban drag all across the country. It's something that we've talked about on Reset a, a couple of times uh, before. But as a performer yourself, Coco, how does that make you feel? Um, it's disheartening uh, because... I think the reason I think a lot of these bans are coming into place is because it comes from ignorance. If you don't know something, people tend to fear it. And I think if if people would step outside of their box and actually like attend the drag show and understand that every drag show is not meant for everybody. And that's okay. There are some like family friendly drag shows and there are some that are like eighteen and plus. Like that's understandable. Yeah. It's and I, I equated it as same as, as movies. You know, you're not going to take your child to go see uh, Evil Dead 2. You're just not. But you can take your child to see Shrek. 
You can't take your job to see, you know, you know, the next Pixar movie because yeah. that's appropriate for them. And I think also having these bands is taking the choice away from from parents and people that um, that can actually like, hey, I want to expose my child to this because they want them to be a well-rounded individual. And I think that's what's important that I, that we're losing some of that. Um, let's yeah. educate people on people that are different than you or learn about somebody that's different than you. You yeah. know, as, as someone that does story time as well. So we'll have to leave it there. But mm-hmm. this is show, a sign that we've got to bring you guys back for sure. Coco Chanel is yes. a Chicago drag performer, uh, drag queen and performer. James Conley's the board co-chair of Gerber Hart, an LGBTQ plus library in Rogers Park. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank so you much. for having us. WBEZ's Curious City did a deep dive into the history along with the history of disco and house music. So you can listen to that wherever you get your podcasts. 